0: Cool. Kia ora everybody, what's up? It is Rebecca Hollis, welcome to Robert Live episode 308. Hope the day is going well, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. Uh, pretty excited for the, with this weekend actually. I'm going to start off with a quick little story. Um, this week there's been a lot happening in, in, in the in the ecosystem. Coming up this, uh, actually we'll talk about this hour and then we'll get into it. Um, and we'll get to Elon Musk talking about Twitter in a second. Uh, Johnny Borland's coming up, he the World Insurance Investigator of the Year. Uh, Olivia, um, we've got Young Bucks in the mix, Business in a Minute talking some, learning a little bit of today, learn, share, repeat, figuring out uh, what are people listening to, what are they doing, what are they learning, and um, how that's all rolling, amongst a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, this is Red Live, episode 308 on Today FM. Hope it is going mega. So let's kick off uh, the show. And actually, if you want, you can text me on 3920 with uh, basically anything you'd like, actually. You can text me, you can say what's up. I've got a question for you, and this is the question I'm going to read out. If you listen to this right now, if someone gave you $100,000, what would you invest that money into, into starting a business or do whatever? You got $100,000, you wake up tomorrow morning, what would you do? Would you put in stock market for 7%? Would you chuck it on some crypto and potentially go to zero? Would you buy some NFTs? Would you start a fish and chip shop? What, what would you do specifically? And I'm just interested to see what the thinking is today all around Aotearoa, New Zealand, um, with what potentially they would you would be doing. Uh, text 39 and that will get you in the mix which will be a-okay. Coming up first on the show we're going to have Johnny Borland uh, who's the, if you've been watching, it's actually pretty good, if you've been watching, uh, (laughs) if you've been watching uh, anything online you would have been seeing this this show on Netflix called The Tinder Swindler is by far one of the craziest, coolest, gnarliest, weirdest things ever but New Zealand, awesomely enough has actually managed to create a similar type of uh, scenario. And we're very lucky enough that we've uh, managed to have uh, Mr. Johnny Borland on the show to talk to us about what's happening. He's been in the mix behind it, and I'm very intrigued on this. And if you haven't uh, gone the mix, we'll be able to get into it a second. So without further ado, uh, welcome on there, Mr. Johnny Borland. Are you there, my friend? I'm clear. How are you? Yeah, good, brother. How is the Saturday going? What is bubbling away? Where are you and what's happening?
1: Well, I'm currently out um, at Karaka Rugby Fields for the uh, local derby here in the Rugby Union, so um, just ducked away to have a bit of a chat, always working in the background doing this uh, Tinder Swindler Kiwi case as well, so I've had a few more emails on that that I'm just reviewing, so busy.
0: So for those that aren't aware, and what I want to get into is the segue into a little bit of the business side, uh, for those that aren't aware, what exactly happened and how are you involved?
1: So obviously, I'm a private investigator by trade, and one of the now several victims uh, contacted me, and you know said I've lost all this money, which you know equated to half a million dollars, New Zealand, and uh, wondered, you know, how about would I go to identifying this gentleman and trying to get the money back? So I accepted the job and. Uh, got her to send over um, all the evidence that she had, all the information she had from her communications with this entity and then um, after reviewing, you know, very minimal amount, I could tell it was a uh, it was a scam and um, yeah, one thing led to another. I started looking more into it and realised that the, the MO from the scammers looked to me from my experience that it was gonna be a lot of victims in this. So I sort of created a strategy and created a bit of an operation behind it and then yeah, one thing led to another. I got one of my very astute crime journalists that I know in this country involved, and um, yeah, Sam and I have been sort of ticking away at it over the last sort of week and a half, and it's just going from um, victim to victim, quantifiable dollar to dollar. Like, we're talking, you know, by the end of next week, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating exceeding two million New Zealand dollars in losses.
0: How, what's the current number at the moment from, from what, you've, what you've pulled
1: together? So, yeah, over 1.5 million New Zealand at this stage. With, so, um, we're just waiting on some more waiting on some more uh, emails and information from other victims.
0: So, is, what's the game plan? How 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 are they doing it specifically? Is there any type of tech tactic? Is there any type of thing like what's the actual mechanics of how you know this this this, this guy or group of crew are stealing two million dollars from unsuspecting and innocent Kiwis?
1: Yeah, so it's quite an elaborate and sophisticated ring, from what I can gather. Um, in terms of they've done their research, so they're profiling and targeting a certain demographic, which at this stage is between the ages, uh, females between the ages of 45 and 60. So if you look at that age bracket, that's, you know, women that are sort of middle-aged and, um, you know, they're looking for the love of their life. You know, they're on online dating apps and they are, you know, optimistic and trying to find love. Mm -hmm. So the scammers are presenting as, you know, well-groomed corporate engineers. Uh, and it's always the same MO. It's a it's a male, um, single, single father of a kid, uh, engineer, um, very well-groomed image, which is obviously our next goal is to try and track down who that gentleman is. And we're working with the BBC and um, a few other places overseas to try and help in that quest. And um, asking a lot of questions and building a lot of rapport with the victims um, and, you know, asking the right questions, you know, favourite food, favourite places to travel, really sort of building that um, relationship early on and making it as intense as possible as early as possible.
0: How long are they usually going from, I guess, you know, in business terms would be saying, you know, you've got a pipeline of potential customers. How quick's the conversion rate? So how long from they're engaging, they're got they they're obviously targeting these sort of, um, these innocent women. How long are they getting to the point to actually trying to either ask for money and how are they converting that? Is it hey, I need a loan for the, some business stuff. Send me cash. Send me a check. Here's my bank account info. Do you accept, <laughs> I don't know, like PayPal? Yeah.
1: And it, it, it- it, 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 it's, it's usually, it starts, it's quite similar, in essence, to anyone that's watched the Tinder Swindler documentary on Netflix, is that it starts off small um, and they've, they've got a lot of you know, engineers in place in terms of being able to create phony websites like phony IRS, um, you know, bank accounts and duplicate to international banks, so you think you're logging on to a legitimate bank but it's actually uh, a, a copycat um, website. So you can actually like, the victims are actually logging in onto what they think is a legitimate bank using um, usernames and passwords, but it's actually a dummy mock-up website. So it's quite sophisticated. And so, you know, they'll be engaging in conversations and getting really intense into the relationship over a number of months before, you know, the first ask comes. And it's, it's, it's only a small ask initially, and then it just sort of builds on and builds on and builds on because unfortunately the victims, once they start you know, falling for this person and start, you know, depositing the first time, then depositing the second time. They're sort of in that in that spiral and it's 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 terrible. And um, you know, before you know it, you know, they're quite significantly in the hole in terms of what they've provided to the scammers.
0: So how does this play out from here? There's, obviously they've been milking and screwing a whole bunch of different Kiwis, playing the whole business cloud, looking like the you know the corporate savant on LinkedIn or whatever it may be, the engineer with the the, the one kid and whatever, and essentially they're stealing hundreds of thousands, if not potentially millions of dollars by the end of next week. Where does it go to from here? How does it play out? Obviously they would have seen that this has now been reported. Do they just go on to the next, the next victims? How did you, can you track back? Like how do you think this plays yeah. out in the next little bit?
1: Well, I mean, like, I hope they've seen it because I want them to know that I'm coming for them for starters because in my whole career as an investigator, whether it be as a counterterrorism detective overseas or, you know, over here as a private investigator, them knowing that I'm putting pressure on them is going to lead, I think, to, if they're going to be brave enough to continue to try and find victims and take money from victims, eventually they're going to slip up. And when they do, obviously, I'm hoping I'm going to be there to um, find that crack in their armor and then just do what I've done my whole life as a career investigator is just follow the bouncing ball and follow the trail and if I can get enough assistance from you know like a really good journalist set of stuff that's really helped us get victims because with every victim we get the more accurate we can create a avatar of who the scammers are targeting which helps with our profiling which helps us to reverse engineer an investigation and then if I can get more of my international affiliates on board you know, we're we're get, we're going to create pressure for the police and the banks to actually do something, because let's not let's not joke around here. They've got the capabilities to do it, and they just give us the, the you know the diplomatic um, answer every time is we're looking into it. We can't comment further. And you know, the more pressure, anything, good luck. <laughs> yeah, it, it basically you know they're saying like we acknowledge that there's victims, but unlike unlike you, we don't have that sort of empathy that you 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 have or that tenacity to want to solve it. So, you know, the more we can do, the more victims we can find, the more evidence we can put together, you know, the more international affiliates we can get with journalists and PIs that I know around the world. And the more, the more stuff we're doing, the more we're making, you know, other agencies look like they're not doing enough, which is going to put pressure on them, hopefully, to be more willing to do something.
0: Yeah. So if you're um, listening to this right now and you're potentially in that age bracket of 45 to 60-year-old female that's on the prowl for Mr. Mr. Right, Mr. Perfect. If you're engaging with someone right now, are there any telltale signs or is there some type of something which you think they may should be looking into to make sure, oh, maybe I'm not getting scammed? Is there telltale signs? Is there some type of hooks?
1: What what, what do they look for? Yeah, so the obvious thing for me and the first thing I would ever do if I was in that position is ask for a FaceTime call. Because it is in 2022, it is very easy for someone to call you via FaceTime and then you can verify that person is the person they're sending you photos of. And if they start making excuses right away, you've got a red flag to suggest that, hey, maybe they're not being honest.
0: What um, if they haven't done that they make up on? Or, or what, if they, what if they're really busy and they're out on the batch? What if they, what, you know, what are they doing?
1: Yeah, and I mean, that excuse might fly the first time, but if they make that excuse the sixth time, you know, you've got to start asking questions. You know, and, and all you've got to do is every individual has their own threshold of doubt that they're going to accept that. Hey, this is obviously not Mister Right, and you know that, that 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 number is different for everyone. So you've got to come to your own terms in terms of, um, you know, is this person a fake? And Facetiming is a great one. Um, going on mailschemers.com, I said this on the project the other night. It's literally like this huge website that has all the copy from all the scammers around the world uploaded by other peers around the world. And you can literally look and find the preamble and the chat that you're having. If it's a scammer, it'll be on there. Word for word, because scammers are basically, they've been doing it for that long now. Like the one we're doing in New Zealand at the moment, I believe is a copycat scheme of an original one from like 2016 over in Nigeria. It's just on a far more sophisticated scale now that dating apps have made it an ability to have immediate discussion whereas back in the, you know, back in the 2016's it was all via email so it was quite slow whereas now we've got instant messaging via dating apps so they've had to sort of intensify and sophisticate their, um, their copy and their chat to the victims.
0: Got it. Very, very interesting. Well, I appreciate you taking the time on. You said, I hope the rest of the rugby goes well. Um, and best of luck catching this bad man doing bad things. And I, I happily, I want to know two things. One, what's the total amount being scammed? And then two, the arrest date would be great for us to report back on. So best yeah, of luck for all the missions. You know, if, go get him,
1: Cobber. Yeah, and if I get an arrest date, you'll be the first to know, mate.
0: Let's go. All right, hey, really appreciate it, Johnny. Right. Thanks so much. All
1: right, cheers, mate. See ya.
0: Rock and roll. All right, that was Mr. Johnny Borland from Isocorp. He is World Insurance Investigator of the Year. He lives in a pretty crazy world where he literally catches people for a living doing bad things. And it's very um, awesome that he can, you know, spend a bit of the time to give us a bit of the insight from Tinder. So there you have it. If you're wanting to know if you've got Mr. Right or not, or if he's potentially a scammer, get him straight on the FaceTime, straight away and see. Uh, Coming up after the break, I'm going to tell you about a young buck protecting and spreading awareness about uh, one of Aotearoa's most endangered species. You're on Today FM. Rabette Live.
1: Live from Silicon
2: Valley. The hub of the tech universe.
0: With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential.
2: On Today FM.
0: New Zealand. 5.15 in San Francisco. And if you're in Sydney, it's uh, 10.19 in the morning. Hope day is going well. Uh, Very excited for the rest of the show today. Coming up next, uh, we have Olivia. I think I've said that right. If not, I'm about to get told off in about a second. She's the owner and co-founder of the Gaia Collection. Uh, they formed on the idea of protecting and spreading awareness throughout New Zealand's Aotearoa's most endangered species. So very excited to welcome into the mix Young Bucks. And if you may be asking, what is Young Buck? I'll tell you what a Young Buck is. Young Bucks is an up-and-coming future weapon, doing good stuff in business, and uh, very proud to welcome Olivia to the show. Kia ora, Olivia. Hi. How are you? How's the Saturday going? What's bubbling?
3: Good. Busy day studying.
0: Studying? Okay. How old are you? Where do you live in and what's going on? Why are you studying on a Saturday?
3: Um, So I'm 18 years old. I'm at Massey University in Palmerston North studying a zoology degree, but I've also got my business on the side.
0: There you go. How are you currently navigating being a full-time student, staying for exams, trying to take on the world, and also trying to run a business as well? How's that going?
3: No free time. No free time. <laughs> That's how it's going, but I'm loving it. Absolutely loving
0: it. So for starters, my apologies. Did I say your last name? Right? How do you say it? Ediwera?
3: Eddie Rewera.
0: My apologies. There and it's the guy collection. So uh, yeah. how did this start? What was the genesis of it? And how's it currently going?
3: Uh, so initially I started with a mate through actually my business studies class last year Um, because we we, we were going to create a business but I didn't want to just create any business so we chose to make one that would create a tangible like a tangible impact Um, and so we've been working with Forest and Bird and five dollars from every pair of earrings we sell actually goes to the Fairy Turn project and was now donated over 2200 we hit that milestone recently so that's very exciting Um, and it's going absolutely amazing now we've got earrings in countries around the uh, stores around the world uh, around the country there we go <laughs> so, so right,
0: you yeah. so the business is laser engraved wooden earrings and the, yeah. and, you've got the, and the shape and shape of them and then the the give back is then part of the proceeds sort of goes to it that is that kind of the absolutely the, the but
3: it's was? also about spreading awareness about some of those species that people haven't heard of but are at risk of extinction
0: Got ya. Okay, so let's go to this for a second. You've got three different um, uh, shapes of, of it. How, how have you? Did, how did you navigate the manufacturing process of trying to figure out what you're going to get printed, where where you're going to do it? How, how was that structured?
3: Um, so initially, so I designed all the earrings myself. So I came up with the designs. We kind of took through every to designer favorite, the three favorite species that we liked. Um, and then we're actually working with a local company in Petoni called Abstract Designs, um, and so they've been amazing mentors for us cutting it, but also helping us with the sustainability side of it. Um, and then every all the earrings are hand assembled by me. Um,
0: Very good. Uh, I mean, it's it's sounds extremely manually intensive having to do thousands of these sort of earrings together. Um, I want to talk about marketing for a second. Obviously. A lot of the um, people listening are not 18. They're not studying full time. They're not spending their Saturdays tucked away in a cubby trying to get smarter for the next big exam. (laughs) How how have you thought about marketing for your business, which I'm guessing you don't have millions of dollars in the bank to just do big television commercials or whatever? Tell me about how you've been creative with marketing in 2022 without too much capital.
3: Um, so a lot of it is just sitting down and kind of thinking of creative ways to do it. Last year um, we tried doing a, we did a rubbish collection event which is nothing, cost nothing to do but thankfully also got us on the project and a couple of other things that was really exciting. Um, we've been, we've reached out to Zealandia recently and we've got a competition running at the moment for some free Zealandia tickets and some earrings. So you can go check that out on our Instagram at the dot at guy collection. Um, so yeah, just being
0: creative and just thinking outside of the box. Nice. And in terms of how you're currently structured, um, let's just get a little bit technical right now. A lot of people wouldn't realize that with um, you can have e-commerce websites for people to buy online that automatically sync up to a whole bunch of different bits and pieces. What is the technical solutions you're currently using for your e-commerce platform to be able to s- sell, these, sell these earrings?
3: Uh, so I actually designed through the through years we, we've got strawby sites and so um, I designed the website myself and I just kind of try to keep it up to date um, but thankfully honestly help desk is the best thing.
0: <laughs> and what is help desk for those unaware?
3: Uh, just the support system that an e-commerce platform site has like it's amazing if you ask for help it's always there. <laughs>
0: So that makes life definitely a lot, lot easier. Okay, so you've got three designs at the moment. You're currently selling a couple of thousand of them. You're getting some, some give back. How do you see the future of this business going? Like, what's it, like strategically when you look at the company of what you're trying to build and what you're building now, where do you see it going and how do you think you're kind of going to get there? What's next?
3: Um, in the dream world, I'm hoping to do a couple of more designs this year um, and into a couple more stores. But I'm sure you will all be aware. COVID puts a little bit of a damper on business and in-person sales so it's just kind of working around that and kind of pivoting a little bit.
0: Now when you um how do you how are you navigating prioritizing your time when you're trying to study and then doing the business stuff do you do you color code stuff out for when you're going to study and when you're going to do the business stuff like how are you navigating your calendar to actually try and be effective with, through all this because it's obviously uh, taking on a lot. It takes a lot of time
3: I've generally don't do that much business stuff on a day-to-day basis but more kind of do it every fortnight I'll sit down one afternoon and do a huge chunk of it in one hit like all my social media stuff gets done months in advance So it's all kind of being prepared in advance kind of helps in the future
0: <laughs> There you go. Uh, what's been the biggest challenge outside of time for you st- starting the company and, and um, studying full-time? Like in terms Um, of has it been strategic challenges or what's the what's been the biggest kind of mini handbrake or something that you've actually really um, tried to crank through?
3: I think it's like trying to work in real time with people because everything that I do, I don't have a lot of time. And so a lot of my replies and stuff and delayed. And so I have to try stay on top of all the opportunities that arise, um, but also fit that in around the studying priorities.
0: There you go. Interesting. Uh, Where do you think, where do you want to see the business in three years?
3: Hopefully in lots of stores around New Zealand, all the um, tourist stores, just everywhere you can get it. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll have raised a huge amount of money for this fairy turn project because these birds are going. There's only about 40 of them left, so we want to do what we can to help support them.
0: And are they, whereabouts do they live? Are they all in captivity? Are they so in the wild? In, Where are they doing? What are they doing?
3: They're in four breeding sites up in Northland and the fairy tern project is working to create a fifth breeding site. That is basically environment, people-proof. It's just a safer long-term breeding ground for them.
0: And out of all the different charities, bits and pieces, why specifically this one?
3: Um, So we chose our designs before we chose our charity, and Mm. out of the three designs that we have, the fairy turn, it was our most endangered bird, and it's one of Forest and Bird's less-funded projects, so they were really desperate for funds. So we thought, why not? Why not go there and do a little bit of
0: good what we can? It's it's pretty exciting. It's good to um, it's good to know that the next generation of businesses are constantly thinking about you know the others, environment, animals, all sorts of bits and pieces instead of just saying we're going to make squillions of dollars and be doing our thing. So uh, well done you Absolutely for, for having the, the right Thank headspace you. that way. Uh, when you, th- if there was one bit of advice you'd give for someone. Uh, you know, a bunch of these older people that are potentially listening, that, that, that pull the big strings around life and business and economy and stuff. What advice would you give older New Zealanders in New Zealand right now?
3: Um, well, I'd say if you're thinking about doing business or getting involved, in it, I'd just say just do it, honestly. Um, it's lots of work and so much time that even if you fail horrifically, you'll still have learnt something and that's better than doing nothing.
0: That is awesome. And if they were listening and giving you advice, what do you think they'd tell you?
3: I'm um, not sure, honestly. I spend so much time with young people these days. I need to get more involved.
0: <laughs> there you go. I get it. Hey, I really appreciate your time, and best of luck. So uh, we are got, got to give you a quick little plug here. If someone's listening to this right now, they want to come and support it, check out the earrings, where can they go to, what can they do? Uh,
3: so you can head to our Instagram page at the.guycollection or uh, Facebook, the Guy collection nz. Or you can head to straight, if you just Google the Guy Collection, we should come up as the first top, the first search.
0: And it's not the Guy Collection, G-U-Y, it's the Guy Collection, G-A-I-A. So if you're listening yep. to get get that done right. I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank, thanks so much for jumping in and best of luck for the, the journey and the, the rest of it we'll be checking on in.
3: Thank you so much and thank you for having me. It's been great to chat.
0: Of course, though We really appreciate it. All right, that's a young buck for today. Super cool seeing, you know, next generation of Kiwi businesses uh, focus on a lot more than just the bottom line. Thinking about people, profit, passion, the future, community, animals, all sorts of bits and pieces, and and being charity-focused as well, which is super cool. Uh, Coming up after the break, we've got business in a minute, and also it's today our time with my bro, Karepa McDonald. This is Today FM, Rebette Live, episode 308.
1: Live from San Francisco.
4: And streaming now on Facebook Live.
1: It's Rebett Live with how to turn your passion into profit.
4: On Today FM.
0: I love that I've got my own show where I can choose any music I'd like. So it's great to be able to um, put in some great bangers just like this. It's called Whoopty. Uh, hope that's going good. Sunday is crank along. It's uh, 12.31 in Aotearoa. It is uh, 5.31 here in San Francisco. And business in a minute. One quick tip in 60 seconds to get you and your business a little bit further, a little bit faster. I was on a call earlier today, and the call was very simple. Trying to figure out and reverse engineer someone's win for their business, what they're trying to do. And they were stuck on this thing of like, I want to make $100,000, but I'm doing all this other stuff which pretend they shouldn't be doing. The bit that was really interesting for me is he hadn't asked the question of what does the win actually look like and how do you reverse engineer that actual win? Do you try and build a 1000000000000 billion business and have all the different, you know, stretches and bits and pieces that come with it? Or do you maybe not? Do you try and simplify it down? Do you try and keep something right in the middle with what you want to do and how you want to do it? His goal was $100,000. He could have built, built, he has the option to make it a big, big, big business, but he doesn't want that. He, he's got his family, he's got his balance, and whatever, and one of the biggest things that people don't do is they don't actually put a line in the sand of what does a win for their time actually look like? What does it win where they can have enough time for their fa- family, for their whanau, their friends, and all sorts, and also being able to get enough passion going on within the business. So, business in a minute, tip for the day, reverse en- figure out what the win looks like and terms of the time and balance, reverse engineer that and then have a line in the sand of how you'll go to that goal. So then don't, everything else is a distraction. You don't need the millions if that's what you want the goal. You don't need about that or, and if your goal is obviously the millions and bits and pieces, you can crank after that too. But so much of the time people do not ask themselves that question and then they feel, feel themselves stuck in a spot where they don't know go down option A or option B, they get stuck in paralysis by analysis. The next thing you know, the business isn't as good, they are stressed, life's not cranking away. Opposed to, like this guy, if he just gets his 100 grand, he's off and ready to roll. That's your business a minute for the day. Very, very cool. Um, that's definitely how you get more of the business. Good times. Repeat at, uh live, episode 308 on Today FM. Super cool. Repeat live. Alrighty, uh, next up, te time. One of the biggest things I've been thinking about for this last little bit, uh, my, my, my journey through it, is be, I've been trying to think about uh, two little things. The first one being uh, I felt really bad that I can speak more Japanese than I can to speak <laughs> te reo, uh, because I used to live there. And so I've been on this little mini mini journey uh, going going down this pathway of, of learning today, which has been pretty cool. One of the biggest frustrations that I've had in... Um, in it for New Zealand is there's this idea around potential cultural hypocrisy that we have in New Zealand. I want to talk about this for a quick little second. So someone asked me a while ago, a few years ago, what is New Zealand's unity of purpose? And I thought, I don't actually know, but I know that. And then he said, okay, well, what is the spot where New Zealand has been the, you feel New Zealand is the most um, united? I said, well, you could argue that it would be when New Zealand plays against um, Australia and at the Blazers Low Cup, and what do we lead with? We lead with culture, we lead with haka. And you feel very proud, a lot of Kiwis feel very proud for that moment, but fast forward 48 hours on a, on a Monday morning, and all of a sudden, it doesn't, uh, so some of those same people will then talk down to them, or talk down to, oh, it's Mary's or blah, blah, blah. And then it's very potential culturally hypocritic Hypocritical of some people. So one of the things I've been thinking about a lot more for this bit is—is it's become very clear and apparent that the asset of culture for New Zealand is such a massive asset that so many were perceived from as a liability. And one of the coolest things I think about is the fact of New Zealand being able to be to really embrace so much of that. So part of my whole journey when I'm doing it is has been to do um, to go down that. Uh, If you're uh, listening along now and you wanna text in any, anything with how you, where you're at and what you're bubbling away, feel through, actually someone texted before we asked about the $100,000, it was an interesting answer. Uh, the question was, what would you spend $100,000? He's pay off my mortgage, 75K, buy a new carpet and lino, and then bank the change. Not too bad. Very cool. Um, let's do Chris. All right, let's do Chris. All right, next up we're gonna be jumping straight in the mix. We're gonna be going for uh, learn, share, repeat. This part of the show is pretty simple. What it is about is who is running stuff, what are they listening to, what are they learning, and how's it going. So I've got a little um, bit I have which just says learn, share, repeat. And the whole goal of this is to simply, in its simplest form, figure out what people, where people are learning, what they're doing, and how it's going. And I'm lucky enough to get joined by my boss, Mr. Reader, are you there? Chris? How you going, repeat good? Good, brother, how is your Saturday? Where are you, what's bubbling?
1: I've uh, just been at a driving range, you a bit, which you'd uh, you'd be happy about. So, just been um, hitting a few bombs at the course, which is good.
0: Bombs or shanks? I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking
1: shanks. Where, where, where were you yeah, playing? How were you, how were you hitting it? Were you stroking them well? Uh, look, there was, there was a few coming off the club all right and a few um, not so much. So, uh, a mixture of slices, hooks, uh, shanks and duffs, I think, today.
0: There you go. Okay, so, Mr. Reader, you are the captain of the the TFM First 15. Uh, I didn't make the team. I didn't know if you know about that. But what I'm interested to know, you're running a big team. You're trying to figure out how th- things go. And you've obviously been probably learning or listening to different bits and pieces that are potentially helping you grow. So right now, Mr. Reader, Chris Reid, uh, what are you listening to or reading right now That's that you're learning the most from?
1: Well, I think um, probably the thing I'm listening to the most at the moment is the station, to be honest, because obviously we've been on air um, coming up six weeks now, so it's good to, to listen to the station. I seem to be doing it sort of um, every hour of the day at the moment, making sure that we're, um, we're getting things right and we're, um, you know, sort of having all the right uh, notes that we want to be at the moment. So a, a lot of radio listening, which is um, a really sort of um, widening my sort of um, outlook on life as well. Obviously, we've got a range of different shows. Um, your, your, your own being one of them, and and you know from a lot of people that uh, talk about things and know about things that I don't. Um, so I love listening to things that are going to sort of enrich me. I suppose uh, you know, give me a better look, outlook on life, and um, and just and teach me. Um, so you know, between your show, um, obviously uh, Dom's before yours, and then uh, you know October in the morning, all sorts of different shows with different outlooks and things like that. So. That's kind of what I'm listening to at the moment, um, because there's not much time to listen to anything else. But um, in regards to what I'm reading, um, I am a pretty bad reader, if I'm honest. I sort of start a book, I get about 60, 70 pages in, and I seem to give it up every time. But um, my favorite book that I've sort of been working on for the last, well, I'd probably say six months now, um, on and off, is uh, No Rules Rules, and it's the, the book of Netflix. Have you read that? No, but
0: yeah, go go on. Interesting. Especially with the crossover of media and commercialisation, but yeah, go on.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Reed Hastings, who was the guy who came up with Netflix, uh, has, has written this book alongside um, a female author who sort of, spent six months working alongside him um and she you know with the whole goal of of finding out how netflix works and, and what makes them tick um so it's a really interesting look into how to run a business from uh, netflix style um and it's their approach to to the working week and um you know employees in general is, is quite different um it's all about sort of they pay employees what they think the employee deserves to get paid, um, and they make the money up in the back end somewhere else. Um, and it's also, you know, people can work their own hours as long as the work gets done. They're all about sort of um, not having to see invoices for things like work trips and things like that. But uh, but it's all about trust. So that if you know you, you take the, the Mickey out of that trust, for example, um, then. Yes, Sort of heads on the chopping board, in, in a sense, um, in the sense that, Reid talks about, you know, I have trust in my employees, but I just they know that they're not to betray that trust. Um. So yeah, really, really interesting read. Um. It's and, and one thing about Netflix is you know, hasn't actually made that much money. Um, and it sort of, he sort of touches on that in this book and says from a commercial point of view, um, it is obviously probably the biggest streaming um, company in the world, or if not one of them, but it's uh, it's not always been a massive money generator because he likes to put money into the business. So, um, yeah, that's what I've been reading at the moment. Um, as I said, it's been taking me far too long, but it's, um, it's a good book and a very easy book to pick up and just, um, you know, flip through a few pages from time to time.
0: I'm looking at it here. Um, yeah, drawing on, on hundreds of interviews with current and past Netflix employees from around the globe, and never be told stories of trial and error from Hastings on career. No rules is the fascinating untold account of the philosophy behind one of the world's most innovative, imaginative, and successful businesses. Very interesting. Any insights that you're crossing over that you, you potentially that you're using with today FM and the current stuff there? Like, is there any little nuggets in terms of like balance of staffing or, or anything that you've kind of you've learned, Any any insights?
1: Yeah, I think um, a a big thing is obviously coming out of COVID, um, we are changing the way that we work. Um, and that's been pretty evident for the last couple of years with a lot more work from home options and things like that. Um, yeah. Reid actually talks in the book about the Netflix has kind of had that option for quite a few years. This book came out, I think, in 2000, and I want to say 16, 17. So it's been out for a few years now, like long before COVID. Um, and he sort of talked about they were already working on that sort of system, um, you know, long before this. Uh, so I suppose we've had to adapt as well. Um, I think everyone has, but now there's a lot more options for people working from home. And things like that and um, at today's theme we're, we're definitely um, open to that you know I quite often get calls or texts in the morning saying I'm not going to come in today I'm going to work from home but with that you know there is a sort of you are putting trust that the employee is going to put the work out too which which um, we're extremely lucky we've got an amazing team of people that we know that doesn't really matter where they work and I think um, down the line, it's definitely going to. There's going to be a lot more options for people to work um, overseas. You know, you can, um, as long as, as long as you put the hours in. Um these, these days with being able to take stuff on the road with, you know, um, all the digital options that we've got, you can literally um, work from any part of the world, any part of uh, any time zone, all that sort of stuff. So um, a lot of that's sort of gone into the thinking of today as well as making sure that we, we're creating a business that can be operational from different parts. Um, mm. Obviously, you can get a lot more work done. Um, you know, sometimes I, I think meetings are much better in person. Um, you can get a much better read on things when you're sitting down face to face with someone. but obviously with the world with the Zoom, um, Zoom calls and things like that, it has shown that we, we can literally pick up a laptop and, and away we go.
0: Well even case in point of that is I'm halfway around the world. Technology and here we're doing yeah. link back to New Zealand. So it's the exact same thing. Super interesting. Uh, really appreciate Absolutely. it mate. I hope the rest I hope the rest of your golf goes well. I hope you shank a few more <laughs> off to off to the right and when, when I get back we'll be going for it. But appreciate it, Mr Chris Reader, thanks for joining in with Learn Cheer Repeat. Mega.
1: Thanks mate. Have a good one.
0: Giddy up. All right, there you go. That's actually team. I just had my, here was my boss that was on the phone. It's Mr. Chris Rader. He's He's the captain here. He's running the show at uh, Today FM. So I hope I did a good job interviewing him. Hope he did well. Um. All right, coming up after the break, we're going to begin more into the mix. Rebet Live, episode 308 on Today FM. I don't know if you've been seeing, but in the ad breaks, there's a business that pops up, and it's AF. You're like, what is AF? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Founded by Lisa King, who's joining us right now. How are you, Lisa?
2: Hi, Rebet. <laughs>
0: How are you, how's the Saturday, what's bubbling, where are you, what's going on?
2: Oh, you
0: know, just um, lying around, enjoying the weather. There you go. And so,
2: yeah.
0: um, for those that aren't aware, what is AF? I know you've done the Eat My Lunch thing and it's gone mega, now you're in this next sort of phase of, of startup up land. Talk to me about it, you've won a whole bunch of stuff, it's very exciting to get you in the mix for, for a little bit. Uh, what is what is what is it, what's going on, you're winning?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, AF stands for alcohol-free. Um, it also might stand for something else. Don't know what you're talking about. But, um, no, no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, so look, during the first lockdown, I decided to stop drinking for a while and just found it really hard, like going out and... Um, or, you know, going to friends, and your kind of other options were coke or juice or water. And it just felt like there weren't really any good, you know, adult alcohol-free alternatives. And I was really missing my gin and tonics, so I just thought, well, I'll just make my own alcohol-free version of that. Um, And that's kind of how it started. Um, And we've been in the market for just over a year now. With a range of ready-to-drink um, alcohol-free gin and tonics, um, rum kind of based drinks like a dark and stormy or a rum and cola. We just launched an apérol spritz over summer, um, and a few weeks ago we launched a alcohol-free vodka spritz as well. So this category of you know just really great adult, sophisticated alcohol-free alternatives is huge and growing super fast. Um, It's predicted to grow by over 30% in the next year or so. And I think it's, you know, lockdown and COVID's really accelerated people kind of assessing their relationship with drinking and wanting to moderate or cut it out altogether.
0: So it's, what's the journey actually been like putting a commercial lens on something which naturally was a product that you actually wanted to do? Is there is there more organic stoke to be able to try and do these things where you're like, hey, this is, like, where was the balance of what you actually wanted personally, but potentially the, the opportunities commercially as well? Like, how was that little dance in your own, own head going for as you sort of built this thing out?
2: Yeah, I, it's, you know, I initially started seeing that there was a gap in the market, and you know there wasn't really anything there to fulfil that. And being the first and you know one of the first brands in the space in New Zealand was really exciting. Um, so from a commercial perspective, and my background in you know fast moving consumer goods, and having worked with big brands and supermarkets, it kind of all made sense. Um, what was really interesting was just our take on how you actually make this kind of drink. You know, a lot of alcohol-free beers or wines or spirits, they actually put the alcohol in and then try and get it out. And you know, we were like, well, that doesn't make sense to put something in that you want to take out. So let's just not put it in there in the first place and come up with an innovative way of using flavors to really you know, um, emulate those um, the alcoholic drinks. And so that was probably all pretty simple, and I say simple when, yeah, actually beverages is one of the hardest categories to be in. What we really wanted to do, though, was to make sure that we weren't just a drinks company, that we're not just making and selling drinks. You know, that, that's just the hard work for not a lot of payback, and the company is really about trying to change that drinking culture and to mm. tell stories and to be inspirational and to share with people, um, you know, that actually you don't have to have alcohol to have fun because I think mm. particularly in New Zealand, we've just got this real mindset that so many of our social occasions have to be centred around alcohol. Yeah. Um, and so we're really trying to bring forward a, you know, a very positive, aspirational culture of moderation and not drinking.
0: Mm. Now, it's kind of a deep little rabbit hole, that one, especially with when you think about so much of the history of, you know, the once were culture and the mentality of always having to mm. do it with that and and not being ostracized for, for not doing it. But it's awesome where you've got, you know, so much even the alcohol brands doing their 0% bits and pieces. You're saying it's obviously a growing market. But not only that, is the product's obviously working. You just, I think, what was it last week, you, you and the team won a couple of awards at, at, um, over here in the States, right? Like, tell me about that.
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's been really interesting because this is such a new category and, you know, we all know medals on wine bottles and spirits. And um, so we entered the San Francisco um, World Spir- oh, Spirits Awards, which is probably one of the oldest and most prestigious competition of its kind. Um, and there wasn't a category for no or low alcohol products. And so we entered into um, the kind of pre-mixed and ready-to-serve cocktail category with our drinks and we won um six medals for um our range which is just awesome because we were up against you know actual alcoholic drinks and um so for the team to get those medals and that recognition it just says that actually you you know you can make drinks that taste just as good if not probably better um, than alcoholic versions and um, yeah so that was a really kind of big win for us to get that international recognition and alongside your alcoholic beverages.
0: Yeah six awards it must feel awesome especially after one um, of only one year in in the game so um, if someone where can they buy what's the website what's the social plugs where can they go to what can they do feel free to plug it in.
2: Yeah, so afdrinks.com. You can buy our whole range online. Uh, We're also in New Worlds, uh, Countdowns, Faroes, Blickerlands. So we're in over 350 stores throughout New Zealand. Um, And we also do sell AF in Singapore. Um, And this year for us, it's really about looking at um, overseas expansion and getting our products to the rest of the world.
0: Um, Lisa, I need to give you props as well. You didn't mention that you just got on all-air New Zealand flights and stuff as well. I saw that pop through, which is also uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. I just, oh, yeah, that's right. we're on New Zealand flights. Oh, and I forgot we, we won, like, six awards. Oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm extremely proud of you. It's awesome, at least stoked. And um, get, it's, it's been cool hearing um, them drop AF drinks and in the, in the ads and stuff here through um, Today FM too. So uh, stoked to have you part of the mix. And really cool and well done for the amazing job and work and, and best of luck for all the success.
2: Thanks so much.
0: Love your work. Thanks, Lisa. All right, joined by Lisa King. She's the founder and CEO of uh, AF AFDrinks, afdrinks.com, and uh, done amazingly for, like, a small company in one year to do that much that quick. 300, you know, hundreds of um, suppliers all on the planes, winning these awards, absolutely epic. Uh, Coming after the rebate, it's Ask Rebet. So if you've got a question that you would like to ask me, you can text it through now. Text through to 3920. Ask me anything about the weather, some business stuff, some life stuff, whatever it may be. I may not be right, but I will definitely give you my honest opinion. 3920, if you've got a question for Ask Rabat, uh, you are listening to Rabat Live, episode 308 on Today FM. See you in a sec. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome.
2: His platform, Today FM.
0: This is Rabat
5: Live.
2: Call 0800 Today FM. Oh.
0: 556 in Aotearoa New Zealand, 556 here in San Francisco. Rebet Live episode 308 on Today FM. Hope you had a good first hour. Food good first, good first hour. Uh, the section is ask Rebet. Text through, ask me a question, answer it. First one come through from Josh from Tauranga. Uh, love the quick vid on how you got to 30,000 followers. Uh, what percentage of your time do you commit to content creation and sharing? Sure. Uh, so basically... I do a whole bunch of stuff on social social media and especially on LinkedIn. Um, and on LinkedIn specifically, the um, question for that was um, how do you get to 30,000 uh, followers? Did a whole bunch of different stuff, you can just check it out. It's um, just on LinkedIn. If you use LinkedIn, you can just go check it out there. Uh, what percentage of your time do you commit to creating content? Now, most, and usually most businesses when it comes to this part, they are very, they don't really have a set or sort a of schedule and stuff. Now some people will say, oh, we're gonna shoot a day a month. Some might go, we might shoot half a day a week. What you'll be surprised, and this is a bit of a little ninja move, with not not too many people realise, is you can actually batch load a whole bunch of content in one uh, in one section, and then automate those out. So, um, so the question of you know how much time do you commit to uh, content creation so sharing? The content creation, if you let's say if you're in the um, real estate game, right? And in the real estate space, there's a whole bunch of different stuff you could be talking about. Some of it will be evergreen, where you could um, Uh, it won't matter what time of the year you you post it or could post it on days, months, weeks later and it won't matter. Some stuff is very time sensitive. Let's say, for example, if it's real estate and there's uh, top 10 tips you may need to to know and then all of a sudden you found the the main article for each different one, you did a little bullet point for each different piece that comes on top of it, you can actually batch film those out. So literally sit down in one spot, knock out 10 different videos, cut those up and then in terms of the sharing side, so much of every different um, outlet now has automation software where you can actually um, pre-schedule in different posts. So say for example, if you did were in the real estate uh, game and you created 50 different videos, you could automatically film them in one day, you could then schedule them all out to go every morning Every Monday morning at 9 a.m., everyone gets an email or a video, whatever it may be, and it's your thing, and and it's done that way. So so much of everything that you'll see is actually done on a content uh, sharing side of things where it's all actually automated up. So we don't need to touch it or do it because um, I don't have – notifications on my phone. I don't do any of that stuff. It automatically just goes straight out and it's in the interwebs and done. Um, and that's basically it. Coming up in the next hour, a whole bunch of good banter coming up. We've got Paul Conway, the incoming uh chief economist for the Reserve Bank. We've got Roger Dennis joining us as well who is um a bit of a futurist, smart brain. Joe Jensen, Bruce Pearlborough and a whole bunch more. Hope you're having a good day. See you soon. we Live episode 308 on Today FM. Uh, if you've got any questions or feedback, 3920, you can text through. That is the best place to get me. Uh, coming up this hour, oh, it's going to be a goodie. We're going to be joined uh, right now by Mr. Roger Dennis. Bit of a futurist, big brain. Uh, George Jensen coming up from... Um, Uh, in our tall poppy profile, highlighting the Kiwi business doing great things. Mr Paul Conway is going to be joining us as well, the incoming chief economist for the Reserve Bank of Aotearoa, New Zealand, and then Bantworth Bruce, such a good smart man. So without a doubt, uh, when you think about the future of New Zealand, you kind of wonder, now what, COVID's come along, a whole bunch of stuff is shaking the tree, everyone's using the words reset, reimagine, re, dot, 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 dot. But it's always good to kind of have a bit of a, bit of a nutshell with, you know, people that know a lot more than I do. It's one of the big, sh- best parts of the show is we can actually get smart people on to be able to do this like this. So, very fortunate to have Mr. Roger Dennis on. He advises the CEOs, Foresight Strategy and Innovation for almost two decades. How are you, my friend? Kia ora, Robert. I'm very good. How are you? Uh, cruising along. Where are you in Aotearoa and how is your Saturday rolling? I'm in Ote down in South
5: Island uh, and Saturday is rolling along
0: quite nice. I like it. Um You're a man with very big ideas, big visions, and a pretty nice, interesting macro view on the world. And so I thought it'd be a good time to get you on the show to actually talk about you know, some of your thoughts and and musings on where us as a nation are heading, some of the little potential road bumps and opportunities that are ahead of us and, and all the rest of it. So maybe we'll start this. In the last two years, what's the biggest thing that's kind of Uh, really stuck out to you that New Zealand needs to be, I guess, aware of coming out out of COVID as we kind of move on to, you know, re-engaging back with the rest of the world?
5: Yeah, and that's a great question. I think uh, the question not only applies to the country, but also to large organisations as well. And what it boils down to is, what did you learn from the experience of all of a sudden going into a very different operating environment? So going from business as usual, basically in February 2020 to a few weeks later, being in a dramatically different operating environment, what were the key lessons that you learned? How did you manage that crisis? And how can you use that playbook in the years ahead? Because the only thing that's certain right now is increased levels of volatility, which means there will be other surprises and shocks coming. And so actually looking back on that experience of going into the pandemic, and understanding how you coped and pulling some of those key lessons out explicitly will be critical to responding better in the future.
0: When lockdowns happen, I interviewed, and I've talked about this before, we had have Clive Omrod on, who's the CEO of Les Mills, and he said that their digital transformation accelerated from a three-year plan to a three-month plan. And what was interesting with his thinking was he had already actually mapped out where they wanted to get to, but they just executed it so much faster going through it. So many other different corporations did not potentially have that. So many other businesses did not have, you know, uh, plans in place to quickly educate a whole bunch of their workforce of use of technology, digital adaption, all the rest of bits and pieces. What was the biggest surprise that you thought from a business, um, from corporates and businesses that happened through Aotearoa um, during COVID in the last two years?
5: The biggest surprise to me um, in my line of work is that people sort of revert to thinking that the next two or three years are going to look very similar to the past two or three years. Now, with the pandemic, that's been fascinating to watch people's understanding of risk and risk response change. And so I would say that you need to hold on to those lessons and try and get away from this idea that uh, when things get back to normal, we can just carry on as did before, because that whole thinking is gone. There is no return to normal. Some things have accelerated um, post pandemic, other things will still be sitting there. But what you tend to find is there is a sort of like a, a reversion to a norm, but what is the new norm? So typically behavior sort of stretches and stretches, and then sort of comes back to a, a, a new level where it bubbles around. But at the moment, no one's quite sure what that new level is, but it definitely doesn't look anything like it used to pre twenty twenty.
0: Do you think one of the ideas that was bubbling around my head is how so so much great leadership and weak leadership was exposed and became so transparent and open to all through this thing? In terms of leaders of these businesses, you obviously advising CEOs, you're at the you're at the C-suite, you're sort of plugging in there. In terms of, uh, I guess leadership lessons or whatever from these leaders of businesses, where do you think most of the head spaces are at now and where they need to really be focused on driving forward for the future for their organizations and businesses and bits and pieces? What surprised you in terms of the the leadership side of things?
5: Yeah, so in forward-thinking organizations, at the moment there is a recognition uh, at the leadership team level and also at a board level, that you need to double down on scenarios. So what is going to happen in the future? And you can never actually tell exactly what's going to happen, but you can start to separate um, probable versus plausible, and start to think about how you would respond in a range of different situations going forward. That's where I'm seeing a lot of the forward thinking leadership teams starting to move to now and explicitly recognising that volatility is still going to keep increasing, despite the fact that science seems to have come to the rescue of the current pandemic. Uh, also, the pandemic's not over, not by a long way yet.
0: Mm. You were uh, posting up on LinkedIn recently around the um Link that I think Rosalie from EHF had done the Edmund uh, Hillary Fellowship, talking about you know time to drop Fortress New Zealand and welcome the world's best and brightest. When you think of New Zealand now as a country looking at the global opportunities for for tech and talent, do you have any thoughts on on what we should be doing, or potentially should be doing better, or doing, um, or really trying to focus on to try and bring the best here, or make New Zealand even better or stronger with the intellectual you know property and and IP that can be coming from um, overseas. So one of the things I think we need to think about quite carefully is
5: there's not necessarily a need to bring all the best talent onshore, but there is the ability to think about how you would partner as a nation with some of those um, key talented individuals. So the Edmontry Fellowship's a really great example of this, where there is just this extraordinary collection of smart um, talented, very capable and successful people who, some of which want to come here, some of which just want closer ties. And so the challenge is figuring out exactly where the balance sits. So how much do you need onshore? How much do you need a relationship with? How much can just be offshore sort of bubbling away? And I think what it comes down to is uh, sort of uh, weak links in very large networks So rather than trying to pursue a handful of very strong links, um, what you find and what you'll notice yourself is with your networks is that if you have lots of weak links people you can reach out to occasionally and connect with, um, it's much stronger than uh, having a network where you try and maintain really
0: strong links with a handful of people. I think it's what New Zealand needs time for. With the borders opening up and more talent sort of coming in, what do you think, where do you feel what do you think the biggest opportunity? Like, if you were prime minister right now, and you could wave any little magic wand of Mr. Dennis's fairy dust across the nation to do anything to build us into, a you know, a, a brighter and braver nation, what would you do? Can you ask me a hard question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it's Matty, but you know you've um, got a big, yeah. big brain. <clears throat> yeah. So, um,
5: one of the things I'd be looking to do is. Really get a strong leadership position on climate change straight off the mm-hmm. end. because we are a small nation, five million people. We don't have a federal state split. Governance with a capital G in New Zealand is relatively easy compared to other countries around the world where you have um, really quite fractious political systems right now. We have large populations. We have that federal state split. There's not that agility that you get in New Zealand, even though some people may look at the, you know, the government and just think nothing happens fast. Boy, when you look at other countries around the world, we are speedy in comparison. And one of the things that we can do is really try and shore up our environmental record. Because if you look at what's happening on a world stage, climate change needs to be the most significant issue right now. And therefore, if we have a really good track record of going from Rhetoric into fast action, then what you do you do is you say, you know, we are uh, important on the world stage. We've managed to go from what is frankly a really poor record in this space to something quite fundamentally different very quickly. Mm. And then you can put that up and say, here is an example of how we've recognised a uh, important global macro issue, and we've moved fast on it. Now, what else can we look at? And mm. start to uh, you know actually put some credibility behind some of the rhetoric that uh, New Zealanders
0: like to believe. Climate change moving forward. Um, you're also part of the uh, Digital Council for Aotearoa New Zealand, which is uh, pretty cool. Which is basically you know advises the government on how to maximise um, so benefits for society for, for uh, digital and data-driven technologies and bits and pieces. Going through that journey over the last little bit too, in terms of you know maybe digital adoption. What's kind of at the forefront of the biggest insights or, or stuff that you maybe not have realized before? What have you What have you learned going through that process of what New Zealand potentially should really should be drilling to on that side as well?
5: Yeah, so the, the digital side of things is fascinating because you've got this uh, balance between opportunity and risk at a macro level. So the opportunity is you know, efficiency speed of response to so the countries like um estonia and taiwan they've really leveraged uh, digital tech into the heart of their democracies and their governments so that works really well the flip side of this is you know just overwhelming uh levels of anxiety and depression amongst mm-hmm. teenagers through just getting caught up in this whole social media trap where people are always presenting their best view of their lives and there's never any reality in that picture. And if mm-hmm. you trace that uh, increasing anxiety back and talk to researchers, then around 2007, the picture starts to change quite significantly. In 2007, when smartphones first started hitting the market on mass. And so this um, need to get eyeballs on platforms to boost advertising revenue is having a very detrimental effect on society, full stop. It's creating uh, fractionisation, it's causing polarisation. It's it's something which is really critical to be addressed as fast as possible. It's not quite as critical as climate change, but it has very large implications for well-functioning democracies. And so if you can't tackle that, then also your ability to um, tackle yeah, you know, other large issues is compromised by a um, uh, a very split and competitive political environment.
0: It's it's almost dangerous to think the total impact that social media has made in you know humans been around for thousands of years now, and in ten years we've gone from no smartphone to nothing to now there's social media and all this anxiety and there's this you know I think to your your point as well, Dennis around the. Um, uh, the headspace of like putting out perfection first of it's not, it's so detached from reality, right? Like there's, it's, it's such a disconnect, yeah. Roger. Like it's, it's, and I, the one thing I would say is I enjoy watching, seeing how TikTok has humanized things a lot more instead of just being polished and fake and whatever on Instagram as well. Cause that it was, it's sort of, um, it feels like we've potentially just gone too far and we need to sort of balance it out in the middle. So there's kind of a couple of big things we've really, uh, Having to navigate there, Mr. Dennis.
5: <laughs> but the other thing around that is um, <clears throat> if you look at how these platforms have evolved, essentially they've gone uh, as short form as possible. Mm. So one of the almost throwaway lines I have is like the next major social media platform is only going to let you do videos for two seconds. Right? <laughs> We're going to beat yeah. the opposition, the opposition do 10 seconds, but we'll get two second videos because that's where your attention spans going. There's some interesting research about people's attention span, you know, just being captured. People can't focus anymore for long periods of time because you're getting conditioned to just swiping through screens and just glancing at stuff rather than deeply engaging with topics that matter. And that's really critical, I think, for
6: education.
0: Yeah, uh, Miss Jess Bobby, the uh, social media um, manager for New Zealand Police, was uh, post up and she was saying, uh, "You know, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube Shorts is now averaging about you know thirty billion daily views, <laughs> which is yeah. insane." So obviously, it, you're probably right. It's going from long form to short in terms of that as well. Um, really appreciate you uh, joining the show here today, um, Mr. Dennis. Thanks so much, Roger. Really, always, always good to think about big picture stuff, future stuff, and Anytime, scared Anytime and, a bit. Keep it up. Always. Thanks, brother. Appreciate your time. Rock and roll. All right, that was Mr. Roger Dennis, big brainer in New Zealand, doing great stuff and uh, helping us navigate questions to ask ourselves, where to go, what to do. sec team. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor.
7: Nah, just a clever guy
1: doing cool shit. It's Robert Live. On Today FM. Yeah.
0: I do is win 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 that's all we want to do and especially for new zealanders new zealand businesses i have the same new zealand wins when new Zealanders win and that's a big part of the driver of this section of the show which is called tall poppy profile q business doing cool stuff and i'm very fortunate today to have uh joe jensen join us from strictly savvy how are you joe
7: i'm really good how are you Ben?
0: a okay now you've been in fiji living the dream you're back What's, what's <laughs> happening? What's bubbling? And for those that aren't aware, um, you know, tell us a little bit about, about your business and we can get into it.
7: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, definitely uh, living my best life right now, so really excited about that through business and uh, Strictly Savvy. I've um, kind of got that to the point now where it's running without me with a, an incredible team and they provide virtual assistant services to small to medium businesses around the country.
0: And when did uh, talk to me about the the genesis um, of the company, and I guess a little bit of the journey to date. Where, where did it, where did it start from?
7: Yeah, so back in two thousand and twelve, um, I was on maternity leave, um, having my son, and come from a um, executive assistant uh, role in corporate, and realised that I wanted to do something different, and knew that there was a lot of Um, Business owners who kind of required that kind of level of skill But they didn't know how to get that without you know hiring a full-time executive assistant Which you know not everyone can afford and they often don't need someone full-time. So yeah, that's when it was born Uh, And then just really gained fast momentum um, uh, Realized that there was actually this whole industry around the world uh where people were virtual assistants and you know sharing um businesses are sharing the the resources that they were um able to offer through um you know admin and bookkeeping and you know whatever their skills were so we kind of um launched ourselves as virtual assistants and yeah just have grown from there
0: so uh, Strictly Seven Hours, one of New Zealand's, I think, the largest uh, virtual um, assistants businesses. What can a virtual assistant do for you? What what can or can't you do?
7: <laughs> so, uh, as a business owner, you've got to think about like what are the things on my to-do list that I either am not great at, don't like doing, um, and I know that. I take too long doing them, and those are the kind of things that a virtual assistant can do. It's about freeing up your time as much as possible, getting things off your to-do list so that you can really focus on things that are more important, like revenue generating activities, servicing your client, you know, strategy, coming up with new ideas, not your admin and your bookkeeping.
0: Yeah. Covid's changed a whole bunch of the game, especially when it comes to. I mean, look at the Zoom stock price; it went absolutely crazy because everyone was online. Everyone yep. had to go virtual <laughs> and, and uh, uh, online. In terms of the 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 uptake in virtual services, what have you seen at a macro level, looking at um, how the world's changed through through this and how this um this part of the industry has got even bigger?
7: Yeah. So. I think a couple of second things happened. So one was that um, those who thought, oh, I have to have someone in my office, they need to be sitting next to me. Um, you know, I need to have quick access to them. They've, they've been proven wrong. They've been proven, it's been proven that people can work from home, be super efficient, do great work. And, you know, through utilizing things like Zoom and communication tools, it's absolutely possible. So that's no, no longer a kind of barrier. Um, And then there's this kind of risk involved with hiring um, employees now where, um, you know, with COVID hitting and people who had all of these employees, you can't just let all your employees go without a bit of a process. Um, And so there's this risk, right? And, you know, with new legislation coming in, that puts even more kind of burden on business owners when they have employees. A lot of additional costs that come into that then now outsourcing to a virtual assistant is you know a far less risky option it's scalable it's you know fast to fast to get people on board so people are really seeing the benefit of that and we're seeing massive growth
0: one of the biggest things i'm sure for business owners and leaders or, or people looking to hire virtual assistants is trying to figure out how to trust someone virtually that they can't, exactly to your point Joe. if they're not sitting there in the office, yeah. how do they know if they're doing what they're doing, whatever, how do you navigate those conversations of accountability and transparency for someone who potentially isn't physically in your business but still working on your business?
7: Mm. Yeah, I think it's really important to, in that first kind of conversation to get a client really comfortable as to you know map out exactly what it is that we will be doing and how we're gonna communicate what we've been doing. And allowing them to have visibility of things like the task list that you're working on uh, and also tracking time so all of my team track all of their time every minute of the day um, and that creates a timesheet where a client can then see exactly you know how their hours were spent that month so it's all completely transparent and I think it just comes down to a lot of kind of communication So keeping the client up to date, making sure that, you know, the business owner knows what the virtual assistant is doing and and where they're at.
0: And in terms of skill sets for it, have you seen – Have you seen many businesses change their structure through COVID with this sort of hybrid model? What have you seen in terms of in the office, out of the office, how they're thinking about it differently? Because obviously if there's less people in the office, a lot of them are getting, you know, smaller footprints in terms of commercial space and people being able to work from home and hybrids and stuff. Like how how do you think that's all sort of morphed and shifted in the future of where that's going to go in for the future?
7: Yeah, I mean, um, we've all seen it, haven't we, where, like, you know, big businesses are now having a lot of people working from home. And I think there's kind of a cool opportunity where you can really have, like, a global team now. You're not confined by your, uh, you know, the borders of your own country. And I think that's kind of exciting that, um, you know, businesses can really be opened up to the world now and the talent that's out there. Um, And, yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a hybrid, like you say, where people are actually, or employees are now going to be looking for opportunities and businesses where they can have that hybrid and that flexibility of, you know, choosing whether to be in the office or at home because, yeah, it doesn't always suit everyone and every personality working from home, but I think there's some people that are really enjoying it. So I think businesses are going to have to definitely be open to, um, you know, that hybrid model.
0: Mm. And how does it feel now not been and have built such an interesting and awesome business now where you're living the life that you you want? Headspace and mentally, how have you strategically navigated your way to this point? How did you think about your time, were you spending energy and forget from where you were to where you are now?
7: Mm. That's a big question. How long have we got, Rebecca?
0: <laughs> a producer's probably going to tell um, me about a minute, but go for it.
7: <laughs> a minute, okay. Um, <laughs> I dropped my ego and was like, actually, I'm going to hire people that are smarter than me and that can do a really great job because I'm not great at everything. And so I dropped that and I really focused on building a culture and a business that loved its people and was people focused. If I... Nurture my team, look after them, they're going to do a great job for the client. So I actually prioritized my team over the clients and pr- produced a really supportive environment and gave people opportunities to actually, you know, progress through the company and found an absolute gem as our um, GM. So, yeah, that, so that's it in a nutshell. It's
0: good. Detach ego, delegate, <laughs> trust the team, it up. Seems pretty yeah. easy. Yep. Why isn't why, why yeah. does it seem it so easy? <laughs> uh, r- <laughs> really appreciate you Joe. jump on, Joe. Um, thanks so much. Massive uh, congrats to you and the team for um, the success rolling it out, and it's super cool for spending the time on some of your Saturday with us. So, uh, congratulations, well done, and good on you, Joe. Well done. yeah
7: oh, thank you. Awesome. Thanks for being.
0: Rock and roll. All right, there's Joe Jensen, uh, CEO and founder of Strictly Savvy, uh, Aotearoa's uh, largest virtual assistant uh, company. Check him out at strictlysavvy.co.nz. All right, coming up after the break, it's Conway's Corner with the incoming Reserve Bank Chief Economist, Mr. Paul Conway. This is bit live episode 308 on Today FM. Rebet Live.
1: Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe.
0: With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential.
2: On Today FM.
0: 11.30 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. 6.30 here in San Francisco. And if you're in Sydney, it's 11.30. But we're a day behind. You're a day ahead. Keeping it the next level. Uh, time now for Conway's Corner. Mr. Paul Conway is the uh, incoming reserve uh, incoming chief economist for the Reserve Bank, and I believe he starts next week. How's your weekend going, Mr. Conway?
6: Uh, Good day, uh, Excellent. Thanks. Had a great, had a great weekend I'm in uh, Mangareva Heads, uh, up in up in Northland, Te There. Sitting On at a, a picnic scal- table, overlooking the estuary. Beautiful spot. Beautiful day.
0: <sighs> there you go. On a scale of one to ten, how insanely hyped and excited are you? for this new role that you're about to kick off? Because each week we've been feeling... First you had COVID, then you've been come through that, you've been having some smoothies, you've been doing some meditation, you're getting your head space yeah. right, and now you're, now you're cranking up. Like, are you in third, fourth gear? Like, how are you humming? What's bubbling?
6: Uh, I, I kind of feel like it's the first day of school on, on Monday. I feel like I'm, off to, I'm a five-year-old kid off to school for the first time. So I feel heaps of excitement, uh, you know, and a little bit of nervousness and butterflies in the stomach. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm amped for it. I should awesome. say, you know, I haven't got any, um, I'm just going to turn up. I'm going to kind of start start slowly and just sort of make it about meeting people and sort of forming relationships so that we can go faster. Later on, and you know, I think the first kind of conversations will be around our, our purpose, just to make sure that we've uh, all got the same kaupapa. I think once we've got that established, we'll just be ripping into it. Uh, it's the- awesome.
0: Nice. So we've been talking about uh, you know, productivity, innovation, digital transformation, you know, we were just talking to Joe Jensen about how the world is uh, changing with hybrid working and virtual assistants and you know uh, yeah. charities coming in with you know people and planning and all the rest of it. Um it'd be interesting to get your take on this. You know, how do you feel the business environment, out is kind of shifting for your average Kiwi business through all the sort of change and stuff that we've seen? Mm-hmm. Where does your headspace go to and what are you thinking?
6: Yeah, uh, well, I, I was just listening to that last uh, interview with the virtual uh, assistant uh, with Joe, and I don't know, it just brought it home to me that uh, the, the the business environment in New Zealand is changing massively, and you know, and, and likewise globally. But you know, let's focus on on Aotearoa and New Zealand. Uh, and I think you know, part of the reason there, like pandemics, historically, they tend to accentuate trends that were already underway uh, in society. Uh, and obviously one such trend for us is uh, digitisation, which you and I have spoken uh, plenty about in the past, and, and Joe was just talking about then, you know, and I've spoken about how that's super exciting for New Zealand businesses. And, and you know, not just tech businesses, but sort of everyday mum and dad businesses, just using digital technology, digitizing their operations, thinking about how they can use that to sort of go to go faster, better, stronger. Um, but I think the other trend that uh, the pandemic has really put a spotlight on is sort of the, the, this idea of the rise of the conscious consumer. Uh, you know, we've been living through a health crisis, obviously. Uh, there's a, a sort of slower-moving crisis in behind that called the climate crisis. Uh, and I think you know we're just we're we're really waking up to to that, and you know obviously there's massive challenges a- attached to that sort of swapping our energy systems out and making it more sustainable and all the lo- and, and the like. Uh, but I think there's also heaps of opportunity uh, for Kiwi businesses in, in, in all of that. So you know I, I know we've got some massive uh, challenges on the sort of near horizon. Uh, you know, including at the central bank to get inflation back in the box and sort of engineer a soft landing for the economy. Um, but, you know, we will do that. And once we get through that, or uh, well, even during that time, I think there's so many opportunities there As as, as Joe was kind of, you know, hinting at, alluding to in, in her space. So, yeah, cool. Into it. The,
0: the, the part there, which I always find insightful is, you know, when all of this change happens and everyone sort of freaks out and there's these challenges all over the show, it's interesting what headspace certain leaders have to think of this as, this is an amazing opportunity for us to do things different, better, faster, more efficient, and grow, 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 grow. Or this handbrake mentality of like, I don't know what's happening, I'm threatened, uh, red flags everywhere don't do anything and then they, they they sort of stay static it's been even just looking from I guess the outside looking in literally as I'm over here in you know Sanford and Silicon Valley is the mindset of how people are approaching challenges to actually think of these as these different opportunities and you know for so many of these businesses they're getting um uh, bigger and bigger and as they morph out a lot more things come into play and so one of the many segue things I was going to get into Paul is you know there's always been there's a a lot of talk about you know empowering the customers, and employees, and the circular economy, and ESG sort of, yeah. sort of pop up. So for those that aren't aware, what what is ESG? When when corporates and business are talking about it, what is it?
6: ESG. Um, so that stands for environment, social, and governance. Uh, so the idea with ESG is sort of you know businesses they're not just about making sort of quarterly profits. Uh, You know, they also have a sort of responsibility there to make a, well, not, you know, not so much a responsibility, but it's actually in their interest uh, to make a positive contribution to the society in which we live and, you know, to obviously um, contribute to to fixing climate change and all the rest of it and, you know, ensuring that their, their governance structures sort of encourage diversity and inclusion. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's sort of that idea of the triple bottom line. Uh, and I know a lot of people sort of think that businesses should only be focused on profits. But what, what's happening now, I'm seeing more and more evidence uh, that businesses that do have a really strong ESG focus, um, like, you know, being focused on creating a better society and, and looking after the environment and, and the like, is actually good for the bottom line. Um, So I was doing a bit of work at BNZ before leaving there on on on, uh, the agricultural sector, and you know I read a survey: uh, eighty percent of American consumers will change their spending habits if they think it's good for the environment. So that's sort of another way of saying that uh, consumers more and more sort of gravitating to these firms uh, that do have uh, very strong uh, ESG credentials. So sort of, you know, doing well by doing good, or, or who cares wins sort of thing, you know. And again, Rebecca, I just think that New Zealand, I think New Zealand businesses, I think our agricultural sector, we're, we're in a prime uh, position uh, to benefit from the increasing importance
0: of, of ESG. Well, on the back of that, if you know they're talking about this environmental and social and there's governance side of things and, and crafting it in a way that's better for um, for the planet and for people and the rest of it. If, 80, if you're saying 80% of the people would potentially change their habits based on that one thing, I'm imagining at the boardroom tables and a whole bunch of these big organisations, they're then going, okay, uh, this is an amazing marketing opportunity because actually if we reverse engineer what they're actually wanting and build that into it, um, the long tail effect of this could be um, possibly 80% new customers in the market for what we're doing if we do this thing right. Do you think mentally they're almost shifting into thinking of this as an asset, not necessarily a liability or a tick the box thing, but generally going, if we really do this well, it's actually going to make us a a bigger and better business, right?
6: Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. I think, you know, businesses are definitely, uh, you know, coming around to this way of thinking and are waking up to it. Certainly corporate New Zealand uh, is. I think, uh, you know, you know it's, it's, it's like it's true. When I think of New Zealand agriculture, agribusinesses, for example, and, you know, we're incredibly efficient at, at producing food. Uh, you know, we feed, what is it, 40 million people, 50 million people globally. Um, but, you know, uh, we've, we're sort of held hostage by commodity prices and if the price of milk drops, you know, it's a big hit to the economy sort of thing. Um, but actually businesses that focus on ESG, it's not sort of selling into the market at the sort of lowest common denominator and being the, the cheapest sort of uh, person there. Uh, you know, it's, if, if we're making products that are actually... Uh, climate positive, uh, for example, then you know we get away from our sort of morbid fascination with commodity prices uh, because we're creating premium products and we're selling them into markets at at a price premium. So you know, a focus on ESG again, getting back to that point, uh, is very much uh, value creation. It's about long run value creation. It may not pay off uh, straight away. You know, it takes investment and, and the like, but but down the track. Uh, you know, there's clear advantages from a strong ESG focus. Not, not to mention Rebet, you know, safeguarding the future of uh, of humanity and the planet, uh,
0: and all of that. At the yeah, same and, time. All, and all of that, and all of that. I mean, all these things sound sound awesome. But you know, if you're uh, like practically for New Zealand businesses that are listening and learning, and if potentially this has been the first time they maybe have heard of ESG and the potential consequences for business, like how do you mm. how do you think we can make the most of these changes? How do we do it? How do we like where to yeah. from here? Like, what do you think happens?
6: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just going to happen by itself. Okay. It doesn't happen by magic or by osmosis uh, or anything like that. I think in terms of our our political leaders and policymakers, you know, there's a a huge policy agenda uh, around all of this. Uh, You know, the education system needs to get better at pumping out people with skills that are in demand in the labor market. You know, we can think about how we sort of uh, fund. Uh, innovation and the like the things in the tax system that you know could probably be pushing a bit harder in terms of a productive sustainable and inclusive economy Uh, fix the housing market you know all those things that we've kind of known have been a bit broken like now is the time uh, to actually get cranking and fix them so that's the policy side of it in terms of businesses uh you know i think it's it's about just um, being in touch with market signals, like a, a typical uh, agribusiness in New Zealand, you know, is a sort of a long way from the ultimate final consumer. Uh, but, you know, we need to get better at sort of anticipating those market changes, you know, being future-focused, thinking about new markets, uh, thinking about new technologies, as we've uh, talked about previously. Uh, and then finally, you know, for people, for, for workers, um, for us, uh, it's, sort of, it's sort of the future of, of work sort of stuff because, you know, technology, um, you know, it does destroy jobs. Uh, the, the job-eating robots, they're, they're coming, you know, they're here, it's true. Uh, But technology, historically at least, also creates jobs uh, and it tends to create uh, more jobs than it destroys. Uh, but they're, they're different jobs. They require a different skill set. So, from an individual's perspective, a worker's perspective, you know, it's just about uh, keeping your skills current. Uh, that I really like that idea of lifelong learning, just sort of dipping into education uh, from time to time, so that you're up uh, with the latest uh, technology, so that you can sort of stay relevant uh, in the la- in a labour market and a product market that you know that is changing relatively quickly uh, at the
0: moment. Well, it definitely feels like you know from with. Talked about from leaders having going on offense and the accelerator down and some on defense, but the red flags and stuff. Those that are going yeah. offense, you know, they're they're reimagining their businesses. They're they're resetting the way it's been uh, run. They're working out processes which they can automate and get into the, into the cloud. They're looking at all the different potential automation they can do to save more time, so they can have more sales, yeah. more efficiency in the business. All of these things, they, they just feels like there's just definitely like you know two two camps of it, you know. So how do you think yeah. you know if you were to look at it now, would if you were to sort of reset it, how would you think about uh, potentially like reshaping a business with all the stuff coming up and you can be really fearful and they're reading these articles and they, they're getting you're reading the clip mates and potentially getting fearful you know h- how would you go yeah. around reshaping that
6: yeah well i think probably just taking a deep breath would be a good place to start like there's, there's a heap like i i totally understand that it can be a little bit uh you know confronting all these changes going down you know and it now is the time to really get um I don't know, future-focused and and all of that. And there are lots of resources out there to uh, help businesses. I think we've mentioned all the digital boost stuff uh, on on your show previously. Uh, In terms of emissions, there's the uh, climate change toolbox. So, you know, again, that's just Google that. Uh, Businesses can find that online. It sort of um, tells them, uh, you know, how to figure out what their carbon footprint is and how to reduce it. Uh, in the agricultural space, there's he waka eka noa, uh, which is again about about agribusinesses knowing their number uh, and getting some good practical advice on, on how to fix it. And just you know, just start, just just start with yeah. something like that, you know. And, and the other aspect of it, Rabit, is you know we need to get better, in my opinion. at sort of telling these stories. Like I really like that idea of provenance like again sort of focusing on the agribusiness side of it uh, you know that idea of from the paddock uh, to the plate um, you know it's it's really helps us sort of be open to those those market signals that are changing and really just putting Aotearoa on a, on a pedestal you know we're good at this stuff it's part of our DNA it's how we think uh, in this part of the world fortunately so we really you know we really can stand up and stand tall and stand proud globally uh, and lead the way in, in my opinion and plenty of this stuff so again you know exciting exciting times if 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 not you know fully understanding but scary uh, at the same time change that's for sure.
0: I always like it and enjoy our chats and i'm I'm excited the way you spoke today Paul I can just see you smack up the reserve bank next thing you know next minute, politics. Who knows? I'm not, yeah, you don't need to answer now. You don't need to answer, but I'm just, no, no, I know. Stay stay away, stay away, stay away. Hey, enjoy the rest of your Saturday, brother. Um, Much love, and um, thanks for joining us again. Awesome.
6: Yeah, thanks, thanks, mate. And to you, and to you, mate.
0: Cheers, Cheers, Rebecca. Catch you next week. Rock and roll. Mr. Paul Conway, incoming Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. This is Rebecca Live, episode 308 on Today FM. 1.48 148 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. 648 here in San Francisco, and it's a Saturday cruising along, and we are joined by Mister Bruce Pearl, CEO of Spirit of Adventure. How are you, my friend? Where where are you this you week? You, you're just all over the show. Like, just surprise me with how awesome your Saturday is so far.
4: Um, I'm painting, and I um, oh. I hate painting. I hate. <laughs> I, I absolutely hate painting. So I'm helping my, my, Amanda and I are helping our son and daughter-in-law paint their house. So I'm I'm glad for the break. Thank you. The, be, oh, the, I'm happy. This,
0: or, well, you've <laughs> now got a pretty good um, excuse to quickly jump out of it. Um, you're a busy man. You've got lots on your mind. This last little week, what's been bubbling away in in, in your head? Uh, I'm going to talk about you, actually. Um, oh, jeez. Uh, okay, cut. Know, wait, producer, know. cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut, them, cut them. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go for it. <laughs>
4: Hey, listen. I, I saw you guys got me thinking. Actually, I saw a social media post you put up a bit, um, and you're you're pretty private with your personal life, and um, I respect that about you. But you put a little post up where I think uh, you're getting makeup applied by your daughters, and and um, I think you're getting a full makeover done by your daughters. Uh, and I it just I just reflected on that. What an amazing dad! And I'm not doing that to disclose, mate, mate. But what an amazing dad just to just to let go and let his daughters just play and and to enjoy play and um and the whole makeup i just thought it was really cool and it just made me think about dads and think about the role of being a dad or um in this particular case and the thought i came with is that the time when our kids need us the most is actually coincides and is in conflict with the time that we need to concentrate and hustle the hardest for our careers Oh, go, okay good at, yep go on yeah and so, so my thinking is kind of like, you know, how do you be an intentional father? Let's go further, an intentional parent, mm. um, but also have the pressure that through your 30s, you know, so late 20s, 30s, early 40s, that's the time when you're really trying to establish yourself in a in a business or a role or a career or a, you know, or a startup, and it's a bit of a conflict. And so mm. I was just kind of thinking, what couple of what sort of things can we talk about that could help you just be. Um, get
0: some balance really between those two things. Yeah, a couple of pieces you you are right. I am insanely private in my personal life, um, but then yeah. obviously public with a bunch of other stuff. so but one of the things that I've thought about um, when you know i've got I've got two daughters, three and four for those that are listening and yeah. my biggest goal with after baby one was this idea of I want to be a present father. I want to literally do as many um, feeds as possible. I want to do the night times. I want to do bed times. I want to do like as much as I can. I want to be there because um, I just know that that time I'm going to get once and do it. But to your point around the balance, it helps when your perspective changes for the for right as soon as you had it. Like before I had before I had my first daughter, I was I wanted to be a billionaire. I wanted to own the Oakland Raiders. (laughs) I want to win some Super Bowls. That's what I wanted to do. Right. And then as soon as I had a baby, I was like, you know what? perspective's different. And I think, and I wonder, you know, to, to your point is, I guess I hustled early to have a bit more options, but if technology wasn't here, I'd be stuffed. Yeah. You know, like the yeah. timing of our goal to try and be present would be, wouldn't have been the same if it was 10, 15, That's 20 right. years ago and stuff as well, right? But like when you've navigated it from your side, you, you came up the corporate, I guess more on the corporate side. Did you have to proactively try and yours was probably different because you were probably physically not there? Because you're traveling yeah. and doing bits and pieces, right? Like how that journey yeah, is pretty right. different to mine. Because I guess I'm more tech, you know. But yeah, go.
4: Yeah. So so yeah, it's right. So so it, look, it's not all doom and gloom. Like like at the end of the day, we need to we need to earn a living. We need to create a career. We need to do all those things, and those things help our family, right? So hmm. they help our families. They give us choices in life, etc. But it is important to be intentional. So so here's a couple of tips that I sort of that I did. Right. So we used to what we tried to do is as many nights as we could a week, and it might only be two or three, we had dinner around the table. Like we just hustled for that. Like we just said, okay, Tuesday and Th- we'd we'll check out the week and go, what, right, Tuesday and Thursday whānau, we're having dinner around the table, we're gonna be at dinner at the table at six, and we're gonna have our time. And that's where the rich conversations have. And all the phones went into a basket. All the phones went into the basket. So basically it was, we're gonna have an hour, intentional hour, dinner around the table, and we're gonna we're going to actually, and we did that right through with our kids. And, and um, so that intentionality made a huge difference. Um, the other thing I recommend uh, you guys should check out is there's a website called five dot com, and love languages are how people operate, right? So for me, my love language is words of affirmation. Um, my wife's love, uh, love language is acts of service. So if I clean the toilet at home, I am I am a hero. Like I'm, a, <laughs> and if she tells me how great I am, she's a hero. So figure out those with your kids as well. What are their love languages? Is it quality time? Is it touch? Is it uh, acts of service? Um, words of confirmation there. Mm. And if you figure that out, then you can be more intentional because you start to work. When you have limited time, you start to work in the space that makes a difference to your child. Mm. Um, So it's just learning those things. And sometimes just turn the damn phone off. Like most businesses, if you come down the driveway, you know, dad comes down the driveway and the kids come out and go, mum and dad come down the driveway, kids come out and go, oh, they're home. And then you're still on the phone. You're not home. So, you know, your business can survive an hour without you. You know, and if it can't, then you've got bigger problems. So, you know, all I'm saying is that it's such an honour and a privilege to have kids. And if you can create young people that that are, that are contributors to society in the future that, that are going to make a difference, then they're going to need you to do that. And you need to make time for them to do that. And you get that balance. So that's just my it's- challenge, you know. Yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's a good
0: good shout on the uh, phone thing coming out the driveway. So one of the things I always particularly, specifically do every time I'm on a phone, because I'll pretty much always be on the phone any time I'm, I'm driving yep. home, is but when I'm turning up, I'll, I'll just say, hey, I'm just driving home, got a couple minutes, we get into it. And then when I'm a bit, just about to get there, I was like, hey, I'm just pulling up, I've got to bounce. And every time I always make a – I always get off the phone before I get out of the – before I open yep, the right. door. Yep. But to the other one that I, I actually stole this off of you is – You talked about... um uh, verbal verbalization with with your children talking about oh in our family, we don't do this. Yeah. in our family we yeah. dot 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 you know and I've actually yeah. used that and I've been using it and it's it makes such a, such a difference of of kind of setting yeah. the tone of what what the family stands for and what you're about and I know we're not talking about business stuff, but I think you know when when you get whanau stuff on lock and you get you know, fam stuff rolling it makes it makes business a lot easier when you've got clearer headspace and you know that you're doing it right point. at home too, right?
4: That's the point. You get the balance, then I Mm. think you will be a better business person and a better operator with less time than if Mm. you're trying to madly do everything and do it poorly, and that's just going to stress you out, and it's going to create pressures in your family, uh, pressures with your partner, and pressures with your kids, and that stuff in your mind, you can't be a good operator with that going on. So just figure out ways of being intentional and balanced, and I think it's a win-win both sides in my view. Well, i proved it. It does work.
0: I I love our banter. It doesn't need to be about the, um, you know, official cash rate or any type of mergers and acquisitions. No. We could be talking about make-up with your children. But no, that's awesome. <laughs> well, Proud of you the...
4: for doing it, bro.
0: Awesome. Thanks. Awesome, man. Hey, um, best of luck for the rest of your manual labour, doing your acts of love and affection for for wifey in the well, final.
4: I'm going to pretend this call's going up in another 10 minutes, so I'm going to pretend. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. cool, cool yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, much like bro. I really appreciate you jumping in, and we'll talk to you soon.
4: Okay, you, no. See you.
0: Champ, Mr. Bruce Pearlberg, the CEO of Spirit of Adventure. He's a wise man. You may not realise it, but he's actually been married for 33 years as well. He sounds like a young buck, absolutely on fire. Uh, Centre sec team, Rebet Live, episode 308, Today FM.
1: Live from San Francisco. And
0: streaming now on Facebook
4: Live.
1: It's Rebet Live with how to turn your passion into profit.
4: On Today FM.
0: Finishing off on a Saturday wrapping off the rest of this week 158 in Aotearoa New Zealand 6.58 here in San Francisco hope today's going good hope you're enjoying the weekend wherever you're out with the whānau and crew and friends uh, big, week ahead, big week done big week ahead I hope you all have an amazing one wherever you do wherever you get up to bring a loved one text a mate say what's up be a good human keep doing good things it's been Rebette Live episode 308 on Today FM I hope you all have an awesome mega rest of the week and up next to me mark ped talking about all things sport have fun team enjoy the rest of the day adios